Hi, this is David Sachs with a special midweek podcast on the whole nature of suffering and why are there curses in the Torah anyway? If you'd like to join the Zoom talks that we've been having, sign up at TorahOnitunes.com. We'd love to have you part of the community. Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, so I'm glad you're here. And I, I want to talk about uh, the nature of, 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 of suffering today. Because, you know, this is on, on people's minds a lot. And, and for, for good reason. Um, you know, a lot of the world is, is, is shut down and... And increasingly, I'm just becoming more and more sensitized to not just the the, the physical kind of um, kind of stuff that's going on in terms of sickness and everything like that, but but there's a lot of people who uh, you know uh, are just depressed and and really kind of like dealing with just the um, effects of the quarantine and and not going to work and. You know, in, in many cases, not having a livelihood in, you know, it's, it's serious business. Um, so, so you have something, you have something very interesting, which is, which is in the, in the Torah, you have two instances of what we call the tochacha. Um, that, that's a kind of a fancy Hebrew word, which means the, the um, rebuke. Uh, or if you want to get a little more hardcore, uh, it's the verses of curses, um, and there are a lot of them, by the way, and and they're in they're lumped together in two different places in the Torah, and the Chachamim, the sages, you know, instituted when we read each portion of the week um, over the course of the year. So there's a certain rhythm to the seasons of the year and which parts of the Torah we're learning at which parts of the year. And they, they sort of fixed the, the schedule that, that we read. And one of the things that the sages discuss, it's in Gomorrah Megillah, is the fact that these two sort of um, headquarters of curses come at a very interesting place every single year. One time is before Rosh Hashanah, and, and actually not the week right before Rosh Hashanah, the Shabbos right before Rosh Hashanah, because the, the sages actually say this. This is not a, a, um, an interpretation. This is like, um, you know, stated explicitly that they just psychologically, they don't want people to be alarmed or worried going into the new year. Because, you know, on Rosh Hashanah, we get sort of like um, our decree or our kind of like the marching orders for the new year. What kind of what kind of year we're going to have is, you know, largely determined on Rosh Hashanah. I know that sounds very fatalistic, and we're not a fatalistic religion, but 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 nonetheless, there let's let's just let's just lean to that side at least for this moment. You know, a person can always change everything. Um, so you do it the week before Rosh Hashanah, but nonetheless, the idea is that you're doing it right before the new year. Then you do it right before Shavuos. Shavuos is also you have different New Years um, throughout the year. You have the New Year for kings, for instance. You have also the new year for fruit-bearing trees, and that's Shavuos. That's what we're about to celebrate. That's what that's what's coming up right now. Also known as the holiday of uh, Matan Torah, receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. But but halachically speaking, it is a new year of sorts. Okay, 
So now here's the beautiful idea. The Gemara says the reason why we're these kind of klalas, these type of, um, if you want sort of a more creative English translation for curses, I would say consequences, right? That that might be a little less um, of emotion of of an emotional trigger, right? Consequences is we 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 have to understand that there are consequences to our actions, and we're putting things into the world. And one of the big ideas that I learned from Reb Sadek Akon not so long ago is kind of a different way of understanding our relationship with God and our relationship with our own lives and our relationship with our own success and our relationship with the own our, with this world. And it's it's the following, which is that when we do something wrong, we put something into the world, and that negative energy catches up with us. The hate catches up with us. So, you know, if you want sort of like just a kind of a clunky visual to go with that thought, imagine that when a person does something wrong or, you know, just kind of like they shouldn't be doing it, they're sort of like laying a bear trap in their house. You know, does everyone know what a bear trap looks like? They, they, you know, they have those large teeth and you, they're kind of spring loaded. And, and then if a person or a bear like steps in it, it snaps together. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a much more uh, potent mousetrap. But if a person, if, if we do wrong things, we're, 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 the, the thing that we're putting into the world is catching up with, uh, with us. And, and the reason why I think conceptually that's a helpful idea is because a lot of times we're blaming things on God when we're the perpetrators. Do, do you understand? It's like we're, we're putting those things in the world and those things are catching up with us. And then we kind of have the chutzpah or the kind of just the naivete to blame God. Okay, so we have to figure out how all this works. So here's a very sort of like um, exciting positive idea. We're going to start to move more into positive territory here, but we have to sort of be realistic about, you know, you know, we can't just light matches and throw them around the house and then just go, hey, how did that fire start? That That's not very realistic. Okay, so the Gomorrah says that, um, the Gomorrah says that we lump that the, the, the two sort of like portions where all these things are, um, these consequences, right, are, are, are lumped together, that, um, that they're right before the new year, before Shavuos, right, which we're coming up to, which is why we're reading at this Shabbos. This Shabbos is a, a double portion. Um, and before Rosh Hashanah, which is, you know, the new year in terms of like the counting of years, is in order to get rid of all the curses so that we're not bringing them into the new year. Okay, that's the goodness. So we're reading them before the new year in order to get to end the year with its curses. Okay, so like before you cross the finish line into the new year, 
you're getting rid of all of the negativity. That's the idea. So that's that's very, very positive. But the Eretzvi, this 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 new Sefer that I've been learning, um, he wants to know, how does it work? Right? Because it sounds good. It sounds good. You know, it's just like, you know, if there are any unpaid bills, we'll gather them together and we'll throw them into the fire before we enter into the new financial year. Right? Like, sounds good, but how does it work? Or why does it work? Why is the Gomorrah just saying that? Because the Gomorrah is not just going to be saying something ridiculous. So he gives a, a, a very amazing explanation, which, which helps to explain the purpose of suffering to begin with. Now, again, let's just, before we launch into this explanation, um, let's just keep the, the, the big headline in mind. You know, here's a fancy word if you don't know it already. Theodicy. Theodicy is the field of thought which tries to explain why do the righteous suffer. Right? And the rabbis tell us that we don't have an answer. So if you if you think that I'm going to give you the answer why why we suffer, I'm not going to give you the answer because... The rabbis already tell us we don't have an answer, okay? After they tell you that we don't have an answer, they'll give you a hundred answers. <laughs> they'll give you a hundred explanations. But we can't forget the, the headline, which is that we don't have an answer, okay? That, that's, that's very important because if you try to explain to someone why they're suffering or why they're suffering or why a loved one is suffering, you're, you're just, you're a fool. You're, you're just going to be driving into a brick wall because the conversation will never be successful. So let's just begin with the idea that we don't have an answer, okay? Now, we have to use our brains and we have to try to figure out what we can figure out, okay? So, so we, before we go further... Um, the Eretz Fee says something very, very beautiful about these two clusters because he, he asks a great question. He says, why do you need two clusters of curses? Why not just either have them all together or just, you know, I guess seemingly have half the amount. I don't know if he said that, but I'm saying. So why do you have it in, why do you have it two times in the Torah? And why do you have it before Rosh Hashanah? And why do you have it before we get the Torah Mount Sinai? Listen to this beautiful idea. It's a beautiful idea, okay? He says that on Rosh Hashanah, the world is being reformed, right? So what you really want to do is you want to be all cleaned up from anything bad so that you can just be this pure vessel to receive this great new blessing for the new year. So the, 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 Cleaning up before Rosh Hashanah, the curses before Rosh Hashanah are in order to get to clean up all the bad stuff in our life. And of course, right before Rosh Hashanah, we have Chodesh Elul, the month of Elul, where we're really trying to do tshuva and, and fix up anything we've done wrong. Okay, so that's fixing up the bad. But now listen to this. He says, what about the curses that we read before, like th- this Shabbos, before we get the Torah on Sinai? 
He says, that's in order to clean up all the good things that we did. Isn't that great? So, so we have it before Rosh Hashanah to clean up all the bad things, and we have it right now in order to clean up all the good things. Meaning to say, like the way Rip Shlomo said it one time, this thing that you're doing, did you do it with all of your heart? These mitzvahs that you're doing right now, you're doing them anyway. But did you do them with all of your heart? The good stuff that you did. You know, I, I once heard an example that just broke my heart. They were saying that, you know, so much of a mitzvah is how you do the mitzvah. And they, they gave an example of kibbutz aim honoring your parents. And, and, and the example goes like this, that a, a parent asks for, I don't know, a piece of bread, I don't know, can you bring me the bread, whatever it is, or this, a plate of food or something like that. And the child does it, the child goes and brings it and, and throws the plate of food in front of the parent. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to me, that example, because as Reb Shlomo said so many times, you can do everything right and be doing everything wrong. Right? It's not just what you're doing, it's how, you, how are you doing it. It's not just what you're doing, but how are you doing it? Are you doing it with all of your heart? Right? That's, that, 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 that's the thing. So that's, this is the idea of cleaning up all the good things that you did right. And he says that, that why are we cleaning up all the things that we did right? Because mitzvahs give you wings. And on Mount Sinai, the entire nation of Israel became prophets. And so all the schusam, everything that we did right, has to be cleaned up because our wings have to fly to the highest, highest places. Isn't that awesome? So God is cleaning our wings right now, this Shabbos, through the Tochacha, our wings are being cleaned so that we can soar to the highest places to get the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's a that's a, that's a that's an awesome that's an awesome awesome thought. So again, the Tochacha before Rosh Hashanah is to clean up what we're doing wrong, and the Tochacha that we get right now is to fix everything we're doing right, so that we can have wings. Okay, good. But now, let's go further. Let's get back to this idea of suffering. So, why, why is it happening to begin with? And, and why does it work that when we read it before the new year, that we get rid of this stuff? Why is the reading about it in the Torah effective in terms of getting it out of our life? That's the question. Okay. So now listen to what he says. He says that basically if anything goes wrong in a person's life, that's God trying to get their attention. Um, and, and 
what is called, so all suffering is God trying to get our attention, according to this way of understanding, right? And the Gomorrah in does what just, it's so Jewish. It's, this is so Jewish, what I'm about to tell you. The Gomorrah wants to know, if that's, if that's what suffering is, what is the minimum amount of suffering that a person can go through in life and it's still halachically, according to Jewish law, called suffering? It's so Jewish. Like, this is, it's fantastic. Because here you see, like, the analytical genius of the Jewish people encountering the mysteries of life, right? And trying to quantify this most human part of existence when things go wrong and trying to figure out, how do I know, is that called suffering so that I can, so that it can be a cleansing? Because suffering is a cleansing. So, so, but how do I know? Is that enough suffering to count as a cleansing? I need to know. What's the definition? Okay, so the Gomorrah, thousands of years ago, they're already, we're putting the, the, the greatest minds of the Jewish people to work on this subject, right? Like the whole world is trying to figure out how to solve corona right now, right? So back then, you know, they were trying to figure out this, this precise definition. Okay, so what's the, what is the, um, what's the answer? So, so the Gomorrah says, if you have a suit of clothing, like, you know, whatever it is, custom made for you, okay? And then you try it on and it doesn't fit very well. <laughs> that is the minimum amount of, that's the minute, that frustration is the lowest threshold that we can call suffering. Bless you, David. And then the rabbis go, hey, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. No, no, no. It's even less than that. If you like your wine hot and someone serves it cold, or if you like your wine cold and someone serves it hot, that's the minimum definition of suffering. Just, just as an aside, you know, I really like um, my food hot, right? So I'll go to the, you know, microwave and I'll put it in for, I don't know, so let's say three minutes. And, you know, I walk all the way to the microwave, put it in, wait 33 minutes, which seems like an eternity, right? You know, modern man. Walk all the way to the table, sit down, take a, take a forkful and go, ah, it's, it's not hot enough. Stand up, walk all the way back to the microwave, right? So, so this, I think, would fall into that category. There's a, there's a PS on that, because there has to be a certain amount of uh, mental awareness connected with all this, but we're going to get to that in a moment. Let's still figure out what's the minimum amount of suffering. So the first opinion is you have a custom-made suit made for you, and it doesn't fit. 
or you like your food hot or cold, they say wine, and it doesn't fall into either of those categories according to your taste. And then they go, wait, no, 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 no. It's even less than that. If you reach into your pocket for three coins and you only pull out two coins, that's the minimum amount of suffering. That's called suffering. And then interestingly, they give a PS that if you put in, if you want um, two coins and you pull out of your pocket three coins, that is not called suffering, <laughs> which is very interesting because according to that, <clears throat> suffering means that you have less than what you need, not more than what you need, right? So, so if you reach into your pocket and pull out two coins instead of three coins, that can be called suffering. All right. But now all of this has to be um, connected with some sort of um, internal process. And what the Eretz says is very, very interesting. It's very profound. It's, 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 when I say it to you, it's going to sound simple, but you have to really think about it because it's very, very profound. He says that the reason is in order to humble a person. In other words, when life's disappointments come, the idea is that we should be humbled before God. And, and by the way, he quotes a verse in the Tolchacha itself from the Torah, a verse from the Torah, which basically says that the goal of this is all to, to humble our hearts. Now, we have to understand what that means, because that's a, that's a very simple, poetic way of actually saying something very, very central and profound to our lives. So I'm going to try to just fill in the what, what he expects us to understand on our own from that. Here, here's what we shouldn't think. God is the big boss and don't be uppity and, uh, you know, you be humble because God's the grand dictator, right? That That's not it. That's not it at all. See, I heard from Rabbi Tatz one time a, a very a very important thought, which is in Hebrew, you see, Hebrew, the word for word is davar. And the word for thing, like a material object in Hebrew, is davar. So it's the same word, a word and a thing are both davar. So there are a lot of teachings that come from that. One is, that God created the entire world, which is one big thing, by speaking it into existence. Or Reb Shlomo says, by singing it into existence, right? So that's the idea that words become things, okay? That's, that's one level of the teaching. Another level of the teaching is um, we should understand the importance of how we speak with each other because, um, you know, like we say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's not a Torah idea. 
Names are sticks and stones, and they will crush you and destroy you, actually. So, so, so words are things. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, so, so, so the idea is that, that when, when it talks about us being humbled, Rabbi Tatz points out that if there is no word for something in Torah, then that thing is not a thing. In other words, if there's no word for it, that means it's our imagination. It doesn't exist in reality. Okay? Because there's this direct correlation between words and things. So if there's no word for it, it is not a thing. So in the Torah lexicon, there is no word for religion. Isn't that interesting? We, we are so used to thinking of Judaism as a religion. But Judaism itself, the Torah itself says, Judaism is not a religion because there's no such thing as a religion. There's either reality or there's not reality. <laughs> so when we talk about Torah, when we talk about all these ideas, when we talk about Shabbos, when we talk about Kashrus, we're talking about reality. That this is actually what it is. This is not sort of just sort of like our, you know, optimistic or philosophical conjecture. So there is no word for religion in Torah. It just is. This is what it is. I remember when I was a kid, I was, I think, 13. I said something. I, I, I got very excited. I thought I said something very profound, which was, uh, God doesn't have to be. He is. Right? So, so, this, this is what it is. So the idea is that God really is the creator of the world, really is the one who loves us the most, really is with us at every single moment, really is the one who allows us to, to breathe every breath and that we can't literally lift a finger without him, really is the one who is creating and recreating the entire universe every single nanosecond. That, that really is what's going on. And when we talk about being humbled, it's, not, it, it's that we have to live in reality. We have to live in reality, the reality of knowing that, 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 that this is where we exist and this is what's going on. And so when we talk about, you know, the setbacks in life or whatever it is are to humble us. It's not because we're uppity. It's because on some level and perhaps some very profound level, we have to remember where we are and what actually we're participating in, in this, in this thing called life. So, so what, what the Eretz Fis says is, again, let's go back to the question of the Gomorrah, because we're trying to understand the Gomorrah. We're trying to understand how is it that just the reading of these sections from the Torah gets rid of these things from our life? That's, that's what we're trying to understand, because it's not magic, right? We, have, we need to know what's the process. 
So he's going to explain the process right now. He says that that what happens so often is that we we go through life and we have setbacks, and we blame those setbacks on our boss, right? On the network executive, on the studio head, on our neighbor, on our loved ones, our wives, our children, our husbands, whatever it is. Everything is everybody else's fault. They're all the ones who are causing all these things to happen to me. And we forget that there's only one power in the world, that all that exists is God. And that God is communicating to us through all the people in our lives and all the circumstances in our lives all of the time. And he says something which is a little bit scary, but it's it's good to know. It's good to know. We'll only benefit from hearing this. Which is that if we don't attribute the setbacks, and remember, the idea is that these setbacks, this... This type of suffering, whatever it is, even if it's reaching into your pocket for three coins and only pulling out two coins, the suffering isn't a cleansing, he says, unless we understand that this setback is coming from God. In other words, if, we, if we're attributing it to everyone in our lives, even to ourselves, because we think deep down that each one of us is running the world, Right? If we don't if we don't use everything in our life as an ongoing relationship between us and God in the most personal way, in the most loving way, then it's not having its desired effect from the divine point of view on our life because it's not redirecting our consciousness back to God, because we're just blaming each other. So what happens, what happens when we read these curses in the Torah? That's the question. And the answer is something very amazing. We realize that everything came from God. And that's the fixing. That's the fixing. That's why it works. That's why it's effective. It's not magic. It's not magic. It's that we realize, you know something? Everything that we went through is some sort of subset of every setback or curse or consequence, whatever, klala, whatever whatever word you want to give it. Every setback that we experienced is some, some subset of what we're reading in the Torah. And we realize Everything that went wrong in my life is coming from God because I'm in a direct, direct relationship with God. And then once I realize that again, once my heart has been humbled, not to be oppressed or God is asserting his might or anything like that, but to remind me of the reality that I'm living in, that I'm a subset of God, that all exists is God and I'm standing before God wherever I go, whatever I do, in this world and in the next, once I re-enter reality then that's the cleansing because all the setbacks came into the world only in order to reorient my consciousness back to the truth.
So, so that's what it is. Now we can go back to the Gomorrah and, and, and see what the Gomorrah, what the rabbis of the Gomorrah are doing for us in the most beautiful way. They're saying, you want to hit the reset button and reorient your consciousness in a way that's going to be cleansing for you? All you have to do is have some cold wine when you want some hot wine. (laughs) All you have to do is reach into your pocket and pull out two coins instead of three coins. All you have to do is witness the minorest inconvenience in your life, right? And if you can somehow just go, okay, God, you're running the world. I'm not running the world. You're running the world. But to say that in a way that you're happy about it, not in the way that it's sort of depressing. Really, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd be running the world. Okay, you got the nod. What can I do? You know, it's like, not like that. But God, you run the world. I'm so happy you run the world. If I were in the world, it would be the biggest disaster. You know, I always like that joke from Bruce Almighty, that movie where uh, Jim Carrey, like, basically becomes God, right? And um, he wants to be a good God, right? He wants to make everybody happy. So he, he whatever it is, he decrees, whatever the mechanics of the film is, he, he decrees that everyone who wants to win the lottery, because there are all these prayers to him, let me win the lottery, that he grants all their wishes, and he, he grants that everyone should win the lottery. And then everyone's so pissed because they've only won $2 because, because this, this giant pot of money has been divided among, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you know? And the reason why I love that example is because if I were God, we would be in such trouble. Like, like you know, if, if you were God, you know... It would be very, very hard to, to run the entire universe, trillions of things going on simultaneously, and to manage them all seamlessly, absolutely seamlessly, right? So, so, so here's the practical lesson from all of this. Here's what it all comes out. That if... If any of us, and all of us are in this category, um, experience any sort of thing, and even if it's a minor thing, right? And you can define minor in your life. If you can use that as a positive, as a positive reminder that the one who you love the most and who loves you the most is really running the world, then that's, man, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. You're going through life in a really holistic, beautiful way. You're not letting little things bother you. In fact, you're allowing the little things to bring you closer. You're being reminded of the fact that you're not running the world, that God's running the world, and that's a fantastic thing. And also you're experiencing it, and, and it's, it's working as a cleansing, because your consciousness 
is staying in that really super positive place that we need to be in all the time. Okay, so remember this Shabbos, we're getting our, our wings, right, de-iced, okay, so that we can really soar to the highest places. And remember, it's, it's not just not doing the things we're not supposed to do, but doing the things that we're supposed to do with all of our hearts. Okay, you guys, um, have a great week. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.